Father, we love you. Thank you for today that you've given us. Thank you for, man, just above all that you bless us with, which is tremendous. We live in the most blessed time in history and one of the most blessed nations. But, Father, we just thank you for who you are above and beyond all that you give to us uh, because you're good and you're faithful and you can be trusted uh, and just you gave yourself for us, Lord. And so this morning as we pause and and we set our day by uh, the study of your word, I just pray that you would uh, open our, our heights, our, our minds and our hearts and lift the veil and let your spirit work, Father, as we, you draw us closer to you and just help us put everything in perspective um, in a biblical in a biblical mindset, Lord, that you've blessed us with, that we can approach, that we can live, that we can be salt and light, that we can be the aroma of Christ, we can be your ambassadors, all the places you will take us today and, and throughout the week. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so this morning we are going to be in Joshua chapter 5. And so uh, it seems a little random, and it is. But uh, here's what happens is um, I've, I've started making it a habit that uh, when I'm in the car each day, I'll, I'll, I'm doing that uh, YouTube Bible app thing. Uh, or, and so um, it's a Bible in a year reading. So I just, you know, at some point during the day in the car, I just turn on the, the Bible app and listen to it. And so um, I've start, cycled around, and I'm back in Joshua right now. And it last week, I think sometime, I hit Joshua chapter 5. And, you know, it's like with all Scripture. It's, I love the saying that, you know, Scripture is shallow enough for a toddler to wave, but deep enough for a theologian to drown, right? The, the more times you hear things, you're going to pick out new things. You're like, God, where did you put that in there? You know, why did I see that before? And there's a little, there's a, actually two verses that really jumped out at me as I went through here. And so I thought this would be a good time, given, uh, you know, kind of what we talked about before, just the general climate in our country uh, where everything is adversarial and there's so much hate out there and we, we it's it's uh, it's a zero sum game right it's it's I've got to be right you've got to be wrong uh, it's the good versus the bad and and the funny thing about it is uh, regardless of who you talk to whichever side you're on it's always I'm the good one and they're the bad one right and so it's it's a common perspective but uh, it doesn't matter which side you're on so what I thought that we would do is we'll walk through briefly Joshua chapter five and then okay. I've already got some, I'm checking my time. We've got about 35 minutes left. So I'm going to leave some time because I've got some discussion questions. I think there's a lot of good stuff in here that we can apply and, and discuss uh, as guys in our life. So what we're going to do is we'll just, we'll just roll through here. Um, yeah, that's probably the best way to do it. We'll just jump in with both feet and we'll start going. So somebody read uh, verse 1, please, on uh, Joshua chapter 5. All right, thanks, Shane. So, context here. Anybody know where we're at? What, what's going on? Promised land. So, what's what's happened in the previous chapters and, and books? What, what what's happened through the Israelites' life heading into the Promised Land? They've been wandering right for forty years. Came out of Egypt. You know, God's provided. He saved. He had. He did miracles. They crossed the Red Sea. Swallowed Pharaoh. He provided manna to, to eat and, and water from rocks to drink. 
uh, and they were led by a, a pillar of cloud in the day and a fire by night. So all this provision had the Ten Commandments. Obviously, they came to the promised land before, and the spies went in, and two said, let's go. God's promised it. Ten said, no, we can't. They're too big. So then God said, all right, this generation's going to die off. And so now, after 40 years, new generation, Moses has handed the torch to Joshua, finally realizing the, the promise, right? So this is, this is monumental here. Um, <clears throat> you think about it, it was so big. It, it started back in, uh, this promise was to Abraham back in Genesis. And it said, uh, Genesis 15, verse 18 says, On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, I give this land to your offspring from the brook of, of Egypt to a great river, the Euphrates River, and he goes on to the land of all these different uh, uh, groups. But <clears throat> So this, this is the culmination, right? Remember when they crossed the Jordan, it's so much so that, that God instructs uh, Joshua, says, hey, get your man, one from each tribe, grab these great big stones, and we're going to go build an altar so that people will remember what we did here, right? That what God has done uh, through the Israelites on this day. So this is the realization of God's promise that has been over hundreds of years. This is, you know, kind of the apex of, of, the, of the first part of, of the Old Testament. So, all right, um, somebody read uh, verse 2 through 9. We'll kind of do that section real quick. Thank you. And, uh, and then verse 9 says, And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the disgrace of Egypt from you, therefore the place is still called Gilgal today. Uh, thanks, Ron. So, um, now, I mean, how about that? That's quite a party, right? Circumcising everybody with flint knives. That Hebrew translation uh, of Gilgal, I think the, the, the literal translation is ouch. All right, so... <laughs> But, but you see an entire generation, right, that, that hadn't been circumcised. And so God was saying, okay, that, that generation has passed. Here's the new one. Let's reestablish this covenant. Let's move forward. And then the, it said that today I've, I've rolled away the disgrace of Egypt from you. So you see this, this fulfillment, right, of the process, of the promise. And God has continued to make good and continued to bring them despite Israel's failings all along the way. And God's bringing them to this place. All right, keep moving. We're, I know we're moving quick, but let's somebody take uh, verses 10 through 12. Thank you. 
All right, so we're seeing more fulfillment of the promise, right? So they observed the Passover, and then it says that, that after that, the, the next day, it stopped getting manna. So God quit providing that because they were able to realize and reap the benefits of being in the promised land. So now they're eating the crops that were in, in Canaan. So, man, this is mountaintop experience. We just see this fulfillment, 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 and it's about time after all these hundreds of years that God's finally bringing them to this point. Okay, now here we go. This is where we're jumping into it. Somebody read uh, 13 through 15. Yeah, 13 through 15. All right, thanks, Doug. All right, so this is where I kind of stop down in the story. So Joshua's near Jericho. He runs in the commander of the Lord's army. He says, hey, you know, are you for us or against us? He doesn't know. And the commander says, neither. Okay, so this is Joshua. These are God's people in the middle of fulfilling God's promise in the land that, that God has given them, all this is the culmination right here. Why would they not be for Joshua, for the Israelites? Well, what's that? Okay, waiting to obey. Yeah. Okay, good. What else? Yeah. Exactly. So the, it, Joshua was asking the wrong question, right? Are you for us? The question is, are you on my side, right? That's a me-centered question, not am I on the Lord's side. If, if, what, what, what's the, we'll come back to this in just a second. What's the rest of the story? Anybody know what happens right after chapter 5? What's that? Jericho, right? So God takes them to Jericho. He gives Jericho big old walls right into their hands. He fulfills the promise and he actually uses the Israelites to kill everybody there, right? He's, he's there to punish the sin and to fulfill the promise that he had given to the Israelites. But the, the commander said, I'm not for you. I'm not against you, right? I'm part of the Lord's army. Very important distinction. Because we see this play out in our lives all the time. And it kind of the, it's the culture that we're in, right? It's, it, God is for us, right? Who can be against us? We, we kind of take that and say, okay, well, that means God is on our side. Actually, if you look through Scripture, God created everyone, right? He spoke the entire world in existence. He created every human being in his image. Now, does that mean every human being honors him and is living the way that he wants? No, absolutely not. But God is not on my side, right? 
Justin is a very fallible human being. I have very sinful thoughts. I have sinful, sinful actions. It's in my sinful, me-centered world, God's not on that side. God's on his side. He's holy. He's perfect. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's eternal. I mean, you just think about all that God is and all that we know about God. It's very, very egotistical. It's very prideful for me to think, well, God is on my side. So how do we see that playing out? Right? And this is where we're going to go into discussions. We see it in politics all the time, right? It's, it's, it's God is on my side, and, and it's good versus bad. We talked about that. It doesn't matter what side you're on, it's good versus bad. I'll get to you in just a second, Brian. We see it in religion, right? It's Christians against everybody else because we're, God is on our side. Well, God created everybody, and he wants that person to be saved just like he wants you to be saved, right? It's, it's sports teams. <laughs> it's the Cowboys. God's on, that's, it's America's team. It's God's team. Right? We see that even in, sometimes in churches that it must, God wants this church to prosper. Well, God wants his global church. He, he does want Cotwood, but he wants every church to prosper because they're serving him and loving him and reaching the world for Christ. Does that make sense? It, it's, it's coming. So, Brian, I'll, go ahead. Why don't you, did you have something you want to say? Right. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so when we begin to, it's kind of what Keith said, when we begin to ask the question, are we on God's side? And that's exactly what you're saying. It's biblical. Are we aligned with Scripture? And then are we approaching people under that same biblical viewpoint, right? Are we treating them as somebody who was created by God in his image, Right. Are we treating them as another sinner, just like mine? May have different sins, right? But how, how are we interacting with the world around us across all these different facets? And so in a day and age when everything is so adversarial and there's so much hate in the world and it's, so, it's a zero-sum game, right? If, if somehow you are correct or if you have a point or if you it somehow means it's, it's a strike against me, right, that I'm so insecure that I can't, you know, it, we, and this is not limited to this room, right? This is the culture in general, guys, that we're talking about, but it, it's pervasive in the church. And that's where, man, when I was just reading that, I mean, something that, you know, I probably read a dozen times, but I just stopped down and, and when the commander said, neither, I'm not on your side, but this is the apex in the, in the, in the history of, of Israel. And this is God's chosen person succeeded Moses leading Israel into the promised land. But the, the commander of the army had to remind him, it's not about you.